Hi, this is Kristen. For anyone who listened to our last episode with Jen McClellan of Plus Mommy, we had a little snafu with the upload that is now fixed. So the full episode is up and part two starts around minute 22. Enjoy! You're listening to WLXU 93.9 LPFM Lexington, Lexington Community Radio. And this is Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. I'm an advocate for women's rights in childbirth, founder of Birth Monopoly, co-creator of the Exposing the Silence Project, a national photography project on birth trauma, and former vice president of Improving Birth, the nation's largest consumer-based maternity care advocacy organization. You can learn more about my work at birthmonopoly.com. Today, my guest is Sabrina Azamar. Sabrina is a mom of three beautiful children and wife to her college sweetheart. She is a breastfeeding and cloth diaper advocate who loves to teach women of color in her community sustainable and alternative ways to care for their family. Her goal is to create a village for moms of color and babies of color to learn, encourage, and grow from. She recently stepped down from being coordinator of the North Alabama Cloth Diaper Bank and now has organized Coloring Between the Lines. This group is a black breastfeeding group for moms and babies of color in North Alabama. Hi, Sabrina. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. It's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you think so. (laughs) Last week we were talking and we were just, you know, we were chatting on the phone about a recent experience that you had in a hospital and you started telling me some of the other things that you've experienced in hospitals and in maternity care and having to do with breastfeeding. And I was like, Sabrina, can you please come on the show and tell people what you just told me? I think it'd be really helpful to hear what it is like to be a woman of color in a place like Alabama, in a country like the United States, (laughs) and what that looks like. Yes. Tell me about it. I guess I can like set the stage. I'm pregnant with my second child. My first child was born in Virginia, which ended in a C-section, beautiful birth, amazing. We moved to Alabama. So setting the stage for my second son, Reed, I am technically unmarried, on Medicaid, I'm Black, and I literally do not have the time off in the world to show up for these appointments. (laughs) So I feel like I have four strikes against me already. I had already changed providers twice and was told by Medicaid I was unable to change because if the doc- just because the doctor didn't approve of a VBAC wasn't, wasn't enough for them to approve my change of provider. It had to be. Oh, so, so you changed because I they were saying that you couldn't have a vaginal birth. So I changed from one provider. The next provider said, no, we won't approve a VBAC. So when I tried to change again, they said, no more changing. This is your last stop. We cannot approve you for a new doctor. Okay, so let me back it up. Why did they say that you could not have a vaginal birth? I was told with the first doctor that it would just be easier to just get the baby out. I wouldn't have to do labor. She was just like, oh, why? I could just get the baby out and you're done in a couple of hours. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think we're going to mesh well. So then I went to the next doctor and the next doctor was, well, we normally don't approve VBACs because 
they claimed that my uterus was incompetent. That's why I wasn't able to have a vaginal birth with my first child. Your now, uterus was incompetent. Yes. That must have felt good to hear. I know. And it's like, in my mind, I already have a two-year-old. After a C-section, there's so many restrictions. So you can't lift anything. You can't drive. You can barely walk. I could not do recovery of a C-section with another child. If I was by myself, cool. We'll just sit in the bed. We'll hang out. I'll order room service type. You know what I mean? But in Alabama, we have no family. We moved here for my husband's job. We have no family. And so there wasn't anybody to take care of me and my baby, like, at yeah. the same time. So yeah. it was kind of like, no, 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 I need my two legs, my two arms. I need to walk out of here. Like, I need to walk out of here. Yeah. So after I changed two providers, Medicaid, they had Best Start. Best Start was saying, it's not a good enough reason to change providers anymore. This is it for you. You have to stay at this provider's office. It's difficult when you're in an office that has multiple providers. So even if one doctor agrees with you, the odds of that doctor being at your birth are basically one in six, if there's yeah. six providers there. So getting six doctors who are used to their office policies to all yeah. agree that you could do a VBAC was just, it wasn't gonna happen for me. Yeah, well, and it sounds like they definitely thought it was their decision. Yes. And it just in the back of my mind, I said, I got to do this feedback. I cannot, I cannot have another surgery. I just could not. I, my, my paperwork from the hospital, always get your paperwork. Um, my paperwork from the hospital says I had a C-section at 730. I remember waking up at 1130 to feed my child. So three, some hours, three, four hours went by where my child mm -hmm. was screaming and hungry. And I said, I would never do that again. It was the worst. Love my doctor, love the hospital, but where was the connection between like, you just gave birth and now you feed your child? No, they bring me a screaming child. So I was like, I don't want that kind of experience. I want to be the person that like, you see your baby, you know, it's your baby. <laughs> You've seen your baby leave, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. So, um, and then just the recovery time, I was like, I still got a two-year-old to take care of. My husband only yeah. has two weeks off. I got to get back in the saddle. Like we got to yeah. get done. So I started to go to my appointments. Like I was told, you know, and just felt pressured. Every time I went to the doctor's office, the nurse would weigh me five pounds heavier. And it'd be really strange. She'd be like, oh, oh, it's roughly so-and-so number. And I'm sitting here like, okay, whatever. I don't look at the scale. I'm pregnant. Okay. I don't look at the scale. Um, so you could tell she was kind of getting annoyed because I was asking questions like, well, I really want to do this. I can't really do recovery. And they're like, you, you have to, you, we're just going to have, you're going to have to have a C-section. You need to schedule it today. And I was like, no, but I didn't know the words to say to them, if that makes sense. So I kept going along with stuff. Like I was like, I'm not really comfortable getting, you know, vaginal checks. And then I would be told, but you have to, in order to V-back, you have to have a vaginal check, which is also wait, not so, Okay. Wait, so, so they're still sort of acting like maybe you could V-back but they just don't really want you to? Yes. They were saying okay. like, so every visit, it was like me re-saying, I'm going to have a VBAC, but every appointment was like, when are we scheduling your C-section? These are your due dates. These are the times available. And I'm like, no, no, no. I feel like there's a failure to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> Still not getting it. 
Um, so then when I finally met with kind of like the head doctor in the office, cause I was getting like, you know, frazzled cause I'm like, no one's listening to me. Um, I meet with him and he's like, I'm going to be straight with you. You're overweight. Black women don't have a success rate in VBAC. And this is, this is a direct quote. This is a direct quote. My baby will drown in a uterus of my blood if I do not schedule a C-section. So at this point, wow, myself, if I'm wrong, I could potentially kill my child. Like all this works, Sabrina, and they were right. So, you know, that's kind of like in the back of my mind, like, oh my gosh, if I kill my child, it will be my fault because they told me. Just like wrestling with that part of like, do I agree with this or not? So now I'm black, I'm overweight, <laughs> and now I may kill my child because my uterus will rupture. Basically. Well, so the interesting thing about that is people who are overweight are supposed to avoid surgery at all costs. Yes. So I've actually heard nurses complain that it's harder to do births with people who are overweight because they have to work that much harder to keep them out of surgery. Yes. Which is kind of a messed up thing to complain about because I would hope that you would work equally as hard for everyone to make sure that they don't have to go to surgery. But I mean, just to kind of, you know, anybody listening who maybe isn't aware of that should know that being overweight is not an indication for surgery. No. And by the way, being black is not an indication for surgery. (laughs) No. Because I was told basically women of color have a less likely success rate of a VBAC. My mom never had a vaginal birth. My older sister, Robin, had one. Her birth was fine, but she was always like super thin, super in shape. (laughs) It's funny to me because my heaviest was probably about 325 at my heaviest weight ever. Pregnant, I've never weighed more than 230. So in my head, I'm like, Sabrina is skinny and bad to the bone. Like, what are y'all talking about? I am thin. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't know that previous history. So what I would have to do is bring my medical records, my hospital records from my previous birth at every appointment. Because they would start bringing up medical terms well, we read your chart and it said you had syphilis something, but it wasn't actually in my chart. And I'm like, where is that in here? And they were like, oh, you have your, your hospital records, which you should always print out. Yes. I, so I they it. had someone else's records? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I felt like they were putting terminologies like I didn't have my own records. Like I wouldn't read them. Well, I think this is why they said you can't. And I'm like, no, it doesn't say that in my chart. And then the next office visit... Well, I think it's because the reason why you see sections because of this. And I'm like, no, I don't say that in my chart either. Like, <laughs> and they're like, we have your hospital records. And I'm like, yeah, I, y'all scan them in. Oh, I haven't read them yet. And I'm sitting here like, okay, well, you probably read those. Nothing in there. Um, now my daughter's birth C-section, perfectly fine. Failure to descend. So I was pushing for about five hours and she did not budge. I was very comfortable with my C-section with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it's like weird. So every visit I would be leaving crying, like running to my car, crying, like they are not going to let me do this. I'm going to have to have somebody basically cut me open that does not like me or respect 
that I don't want to be put under, in a sense. I almost went to medical school. So, like, people talk to me like I don't know what I'm talking about. They assume that I'm uneducated, that I don't do research. When I told one doctor, you know, my husband, you know, he has to go back to work. And I want to make sure, you know, I don't have recovery, you know, things like that. And I don't have anything, anybody to watch my, my daughter. And he, the doctor says, well, why doesn't her father watch her? And I said, because he'll be in delivery with me. And then he, then he proceeds to say, so they're the same person. And I thought to myself, one, why would that matter? Two, why does relationship status determine how I'm being treated in an office? And three, why would they make that assumption? I'm like, yes, he's the same person. Like, oh my word. Like my husband, he's my husband now, but we've been together 10 years, <laughs> 10 years. Now we're on, our, you know, three kids now. So I'm sitting here like, yeah, it's the same person. Yeah. I said, so because you're black, he just assumed that your children. Assumed that I, so because I'm black, I have multiple children with multiple people. What? Like, who says that? So now you have people that, like I said, is you want me to let you cut me open. And I literally cannot stand coming in here like at all. So then I received a doula scholarship from ICANN of Huntsville, which was like, I filled out the application like an hour before it was due. I won this scholarship and I was able to get a doula. Awesome. In my, in my head, I thought doulas like rang gongs and like hummed in your birth. I had no idea. <laughs> Waved feathers it, over your head. <laughs> like staging your room and like splattering like lavender, you know. So I'm sitting here like, all right, I'll get a doula, sure. So I get a doula and it's random because I have this white lady sitting in, in the waiting room with me and we're in the office. My first visit with her, we're in the office two hours. I'm like, yeah, this is normal. Okay, hold on. So how far along were you at that point? Probably 26 weeks. I was far. Okay. Um, okay. By the time I got a doula, I was, I was well in there, but I really needed somebody at the hospital. I was nervous about going to the hospital. And yeah. when you're in labor land, you're easily convinced to do things, if that makes sense. You're going through contractions. If somebody tells me to sign something, it's getting signed. Don't ask me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I needed somebody that was like clear-headed, at least at my birth. Somebody so I, to be on your side. Yeah. So I get, you know, get a doula at like, you know, 26 weeks. Me and my doula are in the waiting room, hours, hours, hours. We finally get to see it. And she's like, she has to interject almost. Like, hold on. What do you think, Sabrina? And no one had ever asked me. And I'm like, oh, is it my turn? Like, that's how it felt. So you're saying like in the actual, in your prenatal appointment, yes. she's like interrupting the doctor to say- no. Okay. And Sabrina, what do you think about that? Yes. It's easy for them to talk fast. They talk so fast. Well, you know, you're going to do this and you know, what happens is you get a uterine rupture and it's a really bad thing. And then we end up having to be an emergency. Like everybody talks so fast and I'm just standing there. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say, you know? So I would ask a question, but the doctor would respond to my doula. It's very strange. So again, I have this white lady in my room. I have a white doctor. Again, I'm outnumbered. And I'm sitting here like, well, if I have a uterine rupture, isn't that why I'm giving birth in a hospital? Isn't that why it's, you're supposed to be in a hospital in case of an emergency? Are you not equipped enough to, is the hospital not have enough blood? Like what is going on? Why is everybody so scared of this thing? 
I don't have a history of people having problems at birth, like family history, you know, things like that. Like what is happening? And then he would just turn to my doula like, well, we say that. And it was just a bizarre thing. So fast forward to my two week, you know, every two weeks you go, every week you go, my next visit, they're like flying me in through the waiting room. Don't sit down, Miss Azamar. Come on in. And I'm like calling my doula, like for some reason they're bringing me back. Where are you? No, our previous visit, we waited two hours. Yeah. Get me into this visit without my doula there. They're trying to get me in, get me in. I'm sitting here like, they're putting me back. They're making me pee. I don't know what's going on. Like, I've never been here this fast. Oh, they're going to see you right away, Miss Asmore. They're going to see you right away. But I felt like they did not want somebody there to advocate for me. It was very strange. So I meet like the head doctor of the practice, who's like kind of, I guess, been there the longest, is in charge. And all he could talk about was how much Medicaid was paying him. Well, Medicaid don't pay me that much if you be back. If I do a C-section, I can, I can do a tie your tubes at the same time. He yeah? said that? Yes. And I was like, well, I don't really want to talk about tying my tubes. I, I'm not going to do it. I really want a vaginal birth. And he's just like, well, I said, well, I can schedule, you know, my tubes tied at another time. Well, mm, Medicaid might not pay anesthesiologists. So it's just easier if we have a C-section. Wait, have, had you said prior to that that you were interested in having your tubes tied? I did. I was like, this will probably be my last birth. It's fine. But I wasn't like, this is the day I'm cutting my tubes. Like, <laughs> Oh, so he was just saying, we can yeah. go ahead and do this if you do the C-section. Yes. And I'm not going to have to worry about whether they'll pay for it. Yes. So it was just like all this money, like, oh, you know, VBAC is, I think I only get paid, you know, $3,000 and, you know, Medicaid doesn't pay on time. So it was all about money this, money that. And I'm sitting here like, why are we talking about money? If you got a problem with Medicaid, that's something you need to talk to your senator about. I was literally so confused. So it was just so frustrating how you're like, almost like speaking, but it's dead air. Like no one hears anything you say. So I'm the black girl who's uneducated that knows nothing about birth because you've been to school for 10 years. So we're supposed to trust you and you're supposed to know better. But that's while they're not listening to you. Yeah, that's not true. I've lived in this body my whole life. I wasn't like young. I'm 30. You know, I had my first child, 26, second child, 29. Like, so it's not like I'm sitting here like, oh yeah, I'm just having all these kids in high school or whatever. And it doesn't matter. But I'm like, you're talking to an adult here. Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk like adults. But it was so scary when you're like, sit in the exam chair. Here's the gown. Doctor comes in. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And you'll be fine. The baby will be fine. And it's going to be easy. You'll have the baby in two hours. And I'm like, what? You know, like, it's just very strange. So I left that appointment in tears. So your doula didn't make it? My doula made it. She literally walked in. She walked in and um, we recorded the offices so we could talk about it in my car about keywords that I need to take notice of that may be triggering to other things. And I said, okay. And I'm boohooing in my car. Number one, I'm like 30 plus weeks pregnant. And you're basically telling me I'm going to kill my child if I decide to do this. And I'm like crying and crying. And I'm like, they're not going to let me do this, are they? Like, who would have thought? They won't let you have birth. Like, giving birth is not a disease. Like, it's something your body already knows how to do. 
so it's very strange when they treat you like you have a diagnosis, like, okay, it's called pregnancy. These are the three options to treat it. C-section. To cure you. Yeah. To cure you of your pregnancy. And rescue your baby. Yes. I respect doctors. I respect what they do. I understand there are emergencies that happen that require fast action. I have empathy for those doctors who have experienced something very traumatic that maybe they've not been able to save the mother. Maybe they've not been able to save the baby. I respect that. Like I said, I was going to become a doctor, like literally had my acceptance letter to med school. So I'm like, I understand how hard it is for you to get to this point. But at what point do they tell you to not care about your patients? That's what I was concerned about. And I'm like, these are the people that, is, that are wanting to cut me open where they just see me as a black uneducated mom who has multiple baby daddies <laughs> and, you know, just, just doesn't do anything, which wasn't really has no right to decide how you give birth. No. Like, just, it sounds like that wasn't even, it almost sounds like they're just like patting you on the head. Like, okay. Like, yes. So that's then nice. It You're going to have a C-section. Yes. But you can keep asking for that. Asking. You're not it's having. So cute. You're so cute. Yeah, you can be back. So then I was over the vaginal checks. Like I could not do anymore. Um, my previous birth, my doctor never checked me. The baby is up there. Why you got to check if it's up there? Like it's there. So I got a little script from like I can. And I was like holding my phone and was like, I respectfully decline. <laughs> like reading verbatim. And I mean, my heart is beating. How am I scared? And I'm telling you like, I pay for you. Like you're the service. Uh -huh. I'm terrified. And the nurse goes, excuse me. And then I'm like, I respectfully decline a vaginal check. And I'm like reading from my phone, the script that somebody sent. Wow. Well, I'll have to send the doctor in. So the doctor comes in and he's like, you know, you can't be back if we don't, if we don't check you regularly. And I was like, I don't think that's true. And I have to decline. I'm sorry. I feel completely fine. Um, the baby's been moving. We have to check you right now. They set me up to this machine. To, I mean, and at this point, I'm like, 38 weeks, 38 weeks. I'm hooked to this machine to see if I'm having contractions. Everybody knows at 38 weeks, you got contractions. That's inevitable. You're about to have a baby. So they're like, you need to go to the hospital now. The baby is not moving. And I'm looking at him like, right now? And he's like, this is not a joke. I haven't felt the baby room. And I'm like, well, I mean, we just ate. It's been moving all day. I feel fine. I feel like your body would tell you if something was wrong. I was having no bleeding. I wasn't having any intense contractions, maybe like one every six hours, you know, just normal. Nope. This isn't my first birth. So it's, it's hard to hear when they, they say every birth is different, but they treat every pregnancy the same almost like, no, this is the same thing's going to happen. The same thing's going to happen. The same thing that happened to Susie Q is going to happen to you. So I'm like, why do you say every birth is different and every pregnancy is different? You don't feel the same thing. Some babies bring you more. And it's sleep. so unpredictable. It's so unpredictable. But no, your birth will go this way. That is like, what? So I'm like, you need to drive to the hospital. I was like, well, I kind of got to cook dinner, but you know, I'll think about it. Like I'm sitting here like, what is he talking about? He's like, no, you need to go now. If you don't go, we have to call the police. 
And I'm like, what? We're not Sabrina? Going to yes. Hold on. So first, they're freaking out that you don't want to have a vaginal check at 38 weeks. Yes. And then they said so they then they're like, they can't hear the baby. There's an emergency happening. They couldn't hear the baby with what? The little doppel. And then I was having contractions. So when I was having contractions, the monitor would move. You know how like when your baby elbows you? So it wasn't in the same spot. But when he was putting the doppel thing, he was like putting the thing on the baby's butt. I was like, I think the baby's over here. I don't hear the baby. Like he was moving it in like awkward places. And I was like, this is so weird. So then he sends me to the hospital. And this is when I like finally like shaped up. I said, okay. So I said, who is the head nurse here? I said, my name is Sabrina Asmar. I'm not checking in here. You can bring me to triage. But if something's wrong with my baby, I'm taking my behind the Huntsville so we can be in the same place. And I will not let anybody. I will take it up with the resident in Huntsville. I won't give birth here. Well, he's like, no, 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 you have to, you know, you can stay here. I said, like I said, I'm going home today. You can keep me in triage, but I'm going home today. So the nurse was like, we understand. We heard you don't like getting checked. We'll just have you sit by the monitor. And I literally sat there with my clothes on. I didn't take nothing off. A little put the monitor thing on. I went home maybe four hours later. I go home. My husband's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I was like, these hot mess people. Now, the next day is Christmas Eve, okay? I'm having contractions. My due date is December 29th, so they don't want me to have a baby on Christmas, obviously. So I'm having contractions, and I'm like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I waited till I couldn't wait no more to drive up there. The previous doctor said, you better show up at six centimeters or you will have a C-section. So in my mind- As in, you need to be- advanced you I need to be like yeah, in, well into labor yeah. if you are even going to try to decline a yeah season. so in my mind i'm like i gotta stay home i gotta stay home you can't go back you can't go in there it's christmas well, that seems really safe i'm being sarcastic yeah they're worried yeah. about you having a uterine rupture but you're telling me to but, show up at six six centimeters yes right so they're so they're like we're not going to actually give you the care that you need which would be you coming in as soon as you go into labor so we can monitor you, monitor you. in case of a uterine rupture. Yeah. They're saying, okay, lady, if you're going to go ahead with your crazy plan, yes. don't bother coming in I until mean, you're until into active labor and you can risk having your uterine rupture at home. Yes. Okay. Just wanted yeah. to make that real clear. <laughs> so I was told, you know, six centimeters you need to pop up, you know. So I'm at home laboring, laboring, laboring. When you have another baby – from all my moms that have two and three, you know you wait long because you're taking care of everybody else. I was getting out of everybody else's backpack. I was calling my girlfriend to come pick my daughter up. She was watching movies. I was packing snacks. By the time my daughter was picked up, it shot up to like 100. I was trying to put makeup on. Um, my doula was like, we need to go like now. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I was just like so nervous. So Christmas Eve, I'm driving up the parkway at six o'clock so a five six minute drive literally takes us about 25 minutes because everybody's out shopping and doing whatever i told my husband do not drive me to emergency drive me to labor and delivery and i'm walking up there because i did not want them to ask me my social security number don't ask me who i'm walking up there because that's where i'm going to deliver and mm -hmm. i'm not having anybody sign so while I'm in labor, they're like, why didn't you come through emergency? And I'm literally like, 
I cannot walk at this point. At this point, triage comes to like get my husband to sign paperwork. So it's like sign the C-section paperwork, sign epidural paperwork. He's having to sign all of these papers. Your husband is signing paperwork for you? Yes. Yes. And no, I'm in literally active labor. They asked me to use the bathroom. and I'm Are they consent forms? No idea. I think they were. I'm telling you. I mean, I don't know if they are aware, but men don't own women anymore. And the the hospital, this is what I don't like about the hospital. The hospital C-section slash, it says C-section slash vaginal birth on one form. So technically you consent to both, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I kept saying, you know, oh my gosh, they're going to, in my head, I'm like, this is it. It's Christmas Eve. They don't want to be here. They're going to tell me I need a C-section. Doctor comes in and I mean, I'm in agonizing pain. She checks me. Lord Jesus, thank you. I'm like six centimeters. Let me stop you right there. We have to take a break. Okay. (laughs) Right at the climax. I know. (laughs) We'll be right back with Sabrina. This is Birth Aloud with my mom, Kristen Luskitchi. My mom works at Birthman Opti. <laughs> this program is supported by attorney Susan Jenkins, a national advocate for midwives and birth activists, specializing in business, governmental, and political issues related to birthing rights and the practice of midwifery. She can be reached at area code 866 686 one three four eight. Would you like to support Birth Aloud Radio? Please contact us at birthaloudradio at gmail.com. You're listening to WLXU 93.9 LP FM Lexington, Lexington Community Radio. And this is Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. Okay, we're talking to Sabrina Asmar about her second birth and you just got into the hospital. They checked you. You were six centimeters, which is what they told you. You better be mm-hmm. if you're going to come in here and try to have a vaginal birth. So then what happened? The doctor says she can't hear the baby's heartbeat. So she has to do the internal head thing. And oh, where they screw something into your baby's scalp? Scalp, which is like my, I can't stand it. So then while she's like getting the equipment, my doula basically yells out, Sabrina, are you comfortable with this? Because no one's asking me anything. I'm just getting hooked up to stuff. I'm getting an IV. Like no one's asking me. She's like, Sabrina, are you, like she literally yells, are you comfortable with this? Mm-hmm. The nurse yaps back at her like, we're just trying to help her. And I was sitting here like, I mean, probably my second child is the worst labor pain that I've been compared to all three of mine. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was giving birth to a watermelon out of my behind, but no one told me that meant it was time. It was go time. I'm just thinking I'm in excruciating pain. And I'm like, I don't know what, like, what is the, like I said, like, that's why I wanted to do it. I needed somebody clear headed in the room. My husband don't count. You guys know husbands do not count as clear heads. So She's like, Sabrina, are you comfortable with this? That means this is how they hear the baby. It goes on their scalp. So she's literally telling me stuff that they should have been telling me. 
So she's actually giving you like the informed consent yes. around the procedure that they're saying yes. they want to do. Did and you feel like it was an emergency or were they just like, we just want to do it this way? I don't think it was an emergency. I don't like the little monitor thing. It's like a belt. Mm-hmm. And it never stays in place. I'm trying to like move back and forth. You know, I'm trying yeah. to do like, my birth. You're in labor. Yeah, I'm in active labor. No, don't set two monitors and expect them to stay in that spot. And so my doula talks to me and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. They do the little head monitor thing. So then the doctor says, okay, let's talk about this C-section. And it was just like, what? So then I asked for, you know, epidural, anesthesiologist comes in, I get the epidural, doesn't matter. They go to check me. She says, open your legs, it's time to push. While I'm pushing, she says, this doesn't go well. Can you set her, can we get ready for a C-section? Like while I'm pushing, she's telling the nurse to call to have an OR ready for me. So three pushes, this baby comes out, cord wrapped around his neck three times and a true knot in his cord. And he just came out. He just came out. I mean, he just, I can't even like, he just came out. And I just look at my doula and my husband like, what just happened? She's like, Sabrina, you did it. And I'm like crying, like, oh my gosh, I didn't kill my child. Like everyone said. And then the doctor yells out, don't tell anybody I did that. Don't tell anybody I be back. That's what she tells my doula. Wow. I just thought like, why not? I just had a baby. Like my uterus is bomb. Just push that thing out of me. Yeah, you know? Also you did not have a VBAC doctor. No. <laughs> Sabrina had a VBAC. <laughs> I know. I know. So then I'm like elated. And th- that's when the epidural kicks in. All of a sudden now I can't feel my legs and stuff. So I'm like, you know, cuddling my baby. I'm doing like skin to skin. And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just did this. Like you're alive. Like you're here. You're fine. You're here. Like, I don't know. It was, it was just so surreal. So they, you know, next day comes, baby's in my room. I'm like, I can't, in my head, I'm like, I cannot believe I just did this. My husband's like, babe, you did it. I'm like, I know, you know, like I'm freaking out. Next day, doctor comes in, another doctor, my real doctor comes in. The doctor that delivered, I had never met her before. You know, my doula's like, thank you, Sabrina's been wanting a V-bag. And she says, don't tell anybody I did that. Literally stone cold face. Doesn't want anybody to know that I had a V-bag with her. The nurses in the That's room are like, like, oh my God, we've, we've never checked this box before for like VBAC. And in my head, I'm like, well, good for you. We're all going to experience this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. isn't, just, that, isn't that just kind of bizarre to think about? Like when you look at VBAC as a bigger issue that, you know, all the national organizations are like, we really need to encourage women to VBAC. We really yeah. need to allow women to VBAC. It's safer. It's better. It's this, it's that. Not for every single person, obviously, but just that we really need to increase access to it. And these people are acting like, I don't know, like they're in a different country or something. Yes. Like I was giving birth next to an oak tree, but I'm not, I'm in a hospital. Don't get me wrong. I love the hospital. I love the room service. I love the hot shower. I love that you can kick people out. I love my adjustable bed. I will always give birth in the hospital, people. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that crunchy. I'm not that granola. I'm a little soggy. I'm a soggy granola. I like stuff a certain way. But it's just like, 
the, my first time I actually got to see my baby come out, hold my baby and like, know that was my baby the whole time. Why would you want to take that away from somebody? And I wasn't drugged up. I was, I was there. I was present. I was there. So the next day my doctor comes in, do a check on me. Like, how's everything going? And the first thing he says to me, not saying like, how are you? He walks in and says, oh, I guess you were right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. And I didn't know what else to say to him. And he's like, well, let you let me know if you need anything. It's such an odd way to set it up to you, though. It's yeah. almost like it was like a win or lose thing or like it was a competition or yeah, and an argument not- or something like that. The lady that delivered my child was not good. She was like pulling and stretching and you mean this the the lady who said don't tell anyone you had to be yeah. back with me? It was like very uncomfortable the whole the whole time between contractions. I wasn't really getting any breaks. She was still like combing me and stretching me and it was just all this work. Like um, she was Okay, so she was like doing stuff to your vagina while you yes. were trying to Yes. And it was and Were you I mean, on your back? Yes. I was on my back. Did you want to be? I don't think I had a choice. She went to go check me and then she was like, hold her legs up. She's going to push. So it wasn't like I had like, let's yeah. get like with my daughter, we did all fours. We did the bar. We did the squat. Like we did all these things in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like weird when all that anxiety they're putting in your mind, it went like all the way. The second it was like, push one more time for me, Sabrina. And he was just out. He was just out. The only thing he could say to me was, I guess you were right. You're like a woman who pushed a baby out of her vagina. Like, that must be something they don't see very often. Yes. Somebody wrote a quote one time, one of my favorite authors. It wasn't his quote, but he posted a quote that says like, birds raised in a cage think flying is a disease or something to that effect. So it's like, you tell yourself so many times, like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It won't happen. It's not for you. People don't do this on a regular basis. But it does. It's a normal thing. Your vagina wants to push a baby out. And I refuse to believe, I used to tell people, I refuse to believe a 14-year-old to give birth in her high school bathroom without nobody noticing. (laughs) Like, she will not up me on this one. (laughs) Jesus was born in a major. I, she will not, Mary will not up me on this one. I'm in a hospital. I got meds. It's going down. So I'm like, when it finally, you know, I finally go for like my postpartum and I don't bring the baby. My mom's here. Um, so I go by myself and they said like, where's the baby? All that work we did to get you this vaginal birth. They said we did. Yeah. They said all the work we did. We did all this work. And I said, no, peaceful. I could not wait to get out of there. And that's the last time I've been back. I haven't been back. You tell somebody so much, so many times, they can't do something. And prayer helped me. I prayed, was like, God, you know I cannot take care of a kid and my C-section care at the same time. I can't, you know what I mean? But to literally leave in two days and my body is still intact. And with a sense of, I did it. I did it. I did it. I, I did it. In my chart, it says against medical advice, but it's like, I was listening to you guys. You guys weren't listening to me, but they don't put that in your chart. <laughs> they don't put that in your chart. Now, I, you know, my third baby, I, I do things a little bit different. 
mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to appointments, when it comes to talking to the doctors. Um, but that birth, I don't think people know how bad you need it so bad. How bad I needed it. I needed it for my daughter. I needed it for her daughters. Like I needed this birth. My mom, like I said, my mom, my older sister was two months early. So she had a C-section. Then I'm a twin. So my mom had a C-section. And then my brother actually stopped breathing. So she had a C-section. So my mom has never had a vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. Ever. So it's like I had no one to ask. Yeah. I don't know. So the people that I'm asking are these like white women that are like skinny and fit and like give birth on the farm. And I'm like, but that's not my experience. I'm being told that I cannot do this. Yeah, you're saying it's fine, Sabrina. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. We did it, you know, on the farm and we did it here and I gave birth in my car. Are you talking about like the Ina Mae Gaskin farm? Yeah. Okay, because you're in Alabama and that's in yeah, Tennessee, yeah, yeah. Right? And the farm is like an hour. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay. No, I, when you first said it, I thought you meant like at home on their farm or something. No, no. Okay, got um, it. So yeah, so I'm like, it's, it's easy when they have the funds and they love their doctor or, you know, there's a great doctor that's like two hours away, but that is not for my family. And on Medicaid, I couldn't have that birth. On Medicaid, you have a government birth. You basically are supposed to listen to your doctor and show up. So for me to be on Medicaid and Black and to have this vaginal birth, I'm basically a unicorn, just saying. (laughs) So, yeah. So now, you know, this time, my third baby, things went a little bit different. I mean, I had Blue Cross and I still wasn't treated any differently. You just do You you aren't treated any better? I don't think so. Tell me about it. We have about um, 10 or 12 more minutes. Okay, so So. I think it's important that people kind of just be confident when they're in an appointment. I'm still not confident when I go to an OB appointment. So I just do some little things to kind of get me through the appointment. And then I save my tears for my car, basically. It sounds like you cry a lot (laughs) in your prenatal care. I know. So this birth, I waited a long time to get prenatal care. I just wasn't feeling it. So the first time I went to the doctor, I was 30 plus. And they were like, where have you been? And I'm like, I've been home. I got to work. I got two kids. I feel fine. And so the fact that um, I delay preterm care is like strike one, pretty much. But I'm like, I feel fine. You know, weigh me, take my blood pressure, things like that. So what I like to do is I never sit in the exam chair anymore. I sit in the chair that's available in the room. Don't sit in the exam chair. I don't get vaginal checks. So you see me with my clothes on in the office chair. So they know ain't nothing coming off. You can't convince me, basically. Mm-hmm. It's very weird that even though the exam chair is high up, how inferior you are when the doctor's in the room. So I never sit in that chair ever until they're like, okay, pull up your, you know, we'll listen to the baby. Okay, you can do that. Then they always say like, we, we need to make sure you have gestational diabetes. And I'm sitting here like, I don't, but you guys can do a little drink test. They always send me for a three-hour test. I don't know why. Um, in my experience, I feel like they try to code. That means like medical code, so insurance pays them, as many times as they can between appointments. You That's mean you took the test more than once? They always give it to me more than once. We just got to make sure you're really overweight, you know, and it's really, okay, y'all can do it again. You can do the two hour, you can do the three hour. It will always say 
I don't have diabetes, <laughs> but okay. And that happens every time. Um, that happened with my second birth too. So I don't play that mess. I'm sitting here like, nope, here's the chart. I would do it one time. So I know I'm like, I've worked in the medical field. Don't add up codes to me. Don't do it. Or we need to come in for an extra anatomy because you have late prenatal care. No, I don't have to do anything but pay my taxes and die. Seriously. You don't have to go. And so they make it feel like you have to go, but you don't. Just having this more confidence after that birth. That birth gave me confidence to know, like, you can say what you want. My son's walking in. (laughs) So just giving the confidence. Even if you have, like, a sister that can go with you, a doula that can go with you, somebody that can be, like, you know, just like your advocate. Um, I always say write down your questions. Don't write it on your phone. Have a physical sheet of paper so they know they cannot leave until that sheet of paper has been checked on each one. I feel like when you're like, I have some questions, you know, just a few. You know, I go in there like, I really have some questions and I wasn't really, you know. And then they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they start talking and then you forget about your other questions. So I'm like, nope, you always write them down. I have a sheet of paper. I have some questions that I want to go over before I leave here. And then they know that means they need to sit down. You know, they're always standing by the door ready to go. No, that means you need to sit down and we need to go over these questions. Honestly, I think birth plans are a joke. I'm not going to lie. You can get every doctor to sign it. It won't work. It won't work. Birth plan is a joke. To me, it's like I say, put down a birth goal. Here are my goals for my birth. Mine's usually like delayed cord clamping, you know, simple things. But like I said, write those down. Make sure you add that to your questions. I know. Oh, sorry. You okay, Bubba? So I, I always write down my stuff. And I'm like, I don't leave there until I am sure. And it is okay to change your doctor. They scare you like, you can't change. You won't find anybody. You'll find somebody. Because people don't realize doctors don't get paid until that baby is delivered. So the person that delivers your baby is the one that gets the money. So they can do all this work, code all they want, but at the end of the day, they don't get nothing until that baby is born. And they try to keep you, keep you, and rush you out the door, and you're fine, you're fine, everything looks great, um, and not kind of respect the questions that you have. So I'm like, always just write down your questions, write down your birth goals, don't call it a plan, because plans are for calendars. Why? Because you think they won't respect a birth plan? I don't. I honestly think it's a joke. I think birth plans are a joke, honestly. How come? I think it's a birth plan for you. I don't think doctors are binded by birth plans legally. So that's why I don't think they're, I don't think they work because they're not legally binding to me. If you had to get it notarized, <laughs> if you had to have a lawyer sign off, maybe. But the doctor could, could say, I've never seen that. Or we just talked about it. Or it could be the doctor that never saw it. You know what I mean? So I think they're a joke. Like people are like, write your birth plan. The birth plan is for you and your family. I don't think it's for doctors. I think it's a way people try to introduce stuff to their doctors of like what stuff they want. It, it, didn't, it did not work for me. I, what I'll say, it did not work for me. Birth plans do not work for me. I could write out a birth plan. I can get the doctor to be like, okay, that sounds doable. And then it never happens. Um, so that's why I'm like, the birth plan is more for like you, your family kind of get a sense of how you would like your birth to go. Who would you like in your room? What, that's the kind of stuff you have. That's not a doctor. It's not a legally binding thing to me. So it's, there's no point. There's no point. I'm sorry. 
I know people are really into their birth plans, but I don't think there's no point because it's not legally binding and they don't have to agree to anything you, a non-medical person has written down. So, I mean, I think that's a reasonable conclusion based on how like a lot of care is done in Alabama. Yes. I mean, look at the Malatesta case in yeah. Alabama. I mean, a lot of that had to do with a birth plan. Yes. And they were just, and they were just basically like, you know, they say like, oh, of course we're going to respect your birth plan. And they come in and they do everything opposite. opposite. And they say, well, too bad. Yes. You know. And so I'm like, the birth plan, yeah, it's real cute when you're a first time mom and you're like, I want to have my mom in the room. I don't want an epidural. I want to give birth in the tub. You say all these things. And then your mom ends up late. It's not the doctor that you want. And you end up getting birth in a toilet. You could put down goals. I said plans are for calendars. You would never plan a birth. And I think you should never plan a birth to go accordingly. You should always go there with an open mind. What if they did have to do what was on the birth plan? Then what would you say? They would never. They're medically trained. The birth plan is basically telling them, I'm going to tell you how to do your job. And they don't like that. Another way to look at it is these are my medical decisions. Yes. And so you need to do your job according to my medical decisions. Yes. And so sometimes I feel like when they see your birth plan, they're already in their mind going through how they can X, why this won't work, why that won't work, why you don't fit into this box. In order for me to be back, I had to be like white, skinny, no previous C-section, like I had to fit in this small box. I had to be within 40 weeks. I couldn't be 40 weeks in one day, I was told. You have to be in this little box. So if you don't fit in that box, you can automatically assume um, that you'll have a C-section. I always call who's on call. Who's on call today? Because if it was somebody I didn't like, I would not show up there. If I, if I went into labor that day, I knew if that person's on call, I will not go there. So I always call, who's on call today? People don't know they can ask. They got to tell you. It's just like you have to be present in your birth. And it's okay. The birth has everything to do with your body. It's not an out-of-body thing. The contractions happen in your body. The baby happens in your body. If your body can create a sterile environment, you could totally do it. I'm sterile and you're going to stick a glove up there. No, it's completely fine up there. Baby's fine. So just getting the confidence and just like, owning stuff, but it's better to like write down, rehearse, which sounds corny to sit in the mirror and be like, I would like this. I would like to practice saying your questions out loud. Cause technically if you say something out loud and it sounds ridiculous, it probably is. So if I say at my birth, I really want a unicorn chandelier with like marshmallow, different color marshmallows on my side table. That sounds ridiculous. I always talk in factual things, not like I guess, not I think. I'm always saying this will happen, this will happen. Put down on your birth plan things that you can actually change. Mm-hmm. Don't say I want to give birth in the tub. And I say like make a tree of stuff. Like I really want to labor in the tub. Start with like I really want to labor in the tub. If I get to labor in the tub for like three hours and I'm comfortable, how long will you let me stay there? It's an ongoing conversation. So it's always good to like just have an ongoing conversation. Stuff doesn't happen just plan A and it's done. It's like, well, if I'm in the tub, how long am, am I allowed to shower? Do you have something waterproof? 
if I'm allowed to shower, how long am I allowed to be in there? How many times am I supposed to be checked? Oh, like the the monitor, you mean? Yeah. So it's like monitor. Yeah. So I'm like, you have to make a plan, and like you having that conversation with yourself builds your confidence in having the conversation with your doctor, basically. So if you know you're like, I really want to have this, then you're like, okay, what questions can I ask for him to basically agree? Because then he can't say no. He or she, I'll say he or she. I, like I said, it's not for everybody, but to be a black woman in Alabama, and I never believed it would happen to me that somebody said that I, I couldn't do something that my body was already doing, but it happened. Do you want to tell me about your third birth at all? <sighs> my third birth was magical. It was amazing. So I didn't start prenatal care till 32 weeks. I had him at 35 weeks. The only doctor I met was the lady that delivered my child. She came on her way to a C-section. So my daughter was getting eye surgery that day. Mm -hmm. I woke up trying to get ready for her to be admitted and my water breaks. And I look at my husband and I'm like, I think my water broke. I don't know why it's today. We cannot reschedule my daughter's eye surgery because it's the end of the deductible year and I'm not changing it. So I go to the hospital alone. I drive myself. I get into labor and delivery. My twin sister, who actually lives in California, was in Nashville for work. So she drove the hour and a half. That's awesome. So when I got there, I, you know, told the nurse, like, this is how it's going down. I'm usually an easy patient, you know. Now, is this the same hospital? No, I had to go. Oh, that's another story, girl. That is another story. I was told I couldn't V back at one hospital because they it was against their malpractice, which is a lie because I asked for their malpractice information so I could see the verbiage and she says it's not on there. It's a it's an office policy. So they they lie. Uh, and so I went up there and I was like, I don't like liars, don't be lying to me. <laughs> if you said you ain't want to go up here because it's too far, just say you don't want to drive up here. It's too far. Don't say it's malpractice and then don't have the paperwork. So I ended up having to go to the opposite side of town, which is further away, but I went up there. Um, Oh, it was beautiful downstairs. The nurses were nice. Um, I had to get Pitocin, but I said, okay, I know she's going to have Pitocin. Can I wait an hour? And the nurses said, Sabrina, I'll let you wait two hours before I write it. And I said, okay. So they let me wait. She's like, I don't see no change, Sabrina. We're going to get the Pitocin. I said, okay, fine. We, you know, get the Pitocin, contraction start, fine, fine, fine. My doctor's literally on her way to a C-section. I'm asking for an epidural. She goes to check me. She says it's time to push. So I have no Like epidural. your last one. I know. I have no <laughs> epidural. This time, this time I have no epidural, not once. I look at my doctor and I said, I'm really scared. I'm not ready because my baby's five weeks early at this point. Yeah. Um, I said, I'm really scared. I'm I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like the baby should not be coming right now. And she literally just looks at me. And I mean, her face is covered. She just looks at me and says, we're doing this, Sabrina. You can do this. And I'm like, okay. Like, you That's know, I'm awesome. like, okay. It's so different from it's the last completely different. And I'm looking at her. She's like, you're doing this. And I'm like, okay. So like my sister's on one side and nurse is on the other side. Um, I actually knew the nurse. We're in the same Bible study class. So it literally aligned very perfectly. There wasn't people talking over each other. Like everybody was very in sync in that room. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the nurse tried to like push on my stomach and the doctor said, no, she can do this. She can do this. And I was she like, tried to push on your stomach. She was like trying to like push to like get it, it moving, I guess. I don't know. And she said, no, Sabrina can do this. And I, I just look at her like, okay. You know, like, okay. So, you know, I, on my back, I do my leg. She's like, okay, give me a push. One nurse counts. And I'm like pushing. She said, next one, Sabrina, the baby's going to be here. And I was like, okay. So I push. And he just came out between contractions. She was putting a heating pad over. I mean, it was like, who is this person? Like, so instead of like jamming her hands up there, yes. she was actually giving you comfort. Yes. It was like the most, I mean, literally it was the most bizarre thing I had ever experienced. So I wasn't in pain between contractions versus the other ones. Somebody was like stretching me and pulling yeah. me. And, um, nope. She just put a heating pad. And then she actually let me deliver my placenta. She just waited and was like, no, Sabrina could deliver it. I think she'll just pop it out. I literally push it out. And then she just sits there. She lets the baby stay connected to the umbilical cord until it's like all the way dry. I mean, I tell you, it was magical. They just let you do it. They let me have a baby. Like, mm-hmm. they just let Imagine me Imagine that. Imagine that. Five weeks early, so I had this baby... 35 weeks, five weeks early, had a baby with no problem with the doctor, no problem with nurses staff. They just let me have a baby. Like it was just, and I kept saying, oh my God, I just had a baby without meds. Like, you know, in my head, I'm like, yes. And then everybody was like, Sabrina, we need to do it. It's fine. And I'm sitting here like, how? <laughs> you know, compared to like, when everybody's like, where's, you know, where's this? So the time I was literally actually pushing my son out, my second son out, my daughter was in surgery. It was different. But this time I'm like, I said, can I walk around? She said, no. I said, would it be okay if I stand up? And she's like, yes. So I'm like, it was more of like a back and forth. So they wouldn't let you walk around during labor? No. They wouldn't let me walk around because I know they were waiting for the um, anesthesiologist to come because I was asking for an epidural. Um, she's like, but I was like, is it okay if I stand up or maybe get on all four? She's like, Yeah. So it was like more of a back and forth conversation on like, you can't do this, but let's talk about the things you can do. And I'm like, that's all people want is just a conversation with their healthcare provider, whether it's giving birth or, you know, having eye surgery, you just want to have a conversation. Like an adult. Like like an adult. So, okay. And then he's here. That's it. And literally he just popped out. I mean. Um, but anyway, that's about it. That's my life. Probably the end of this interview will probably be <laughs> unusable. <laughs> um, believe me, you would not be the first person to have kids in your interview <laughs> with me. <laughs> so yeah, so he just came out and it's just crazy to think like two years before I had kind of an awful kind of experience to like see kind of active change in care. I know it was at a different hospital and stuff, but just to see that there are doctors paying attention. So it's not all the doctors, but there are doctors in hospitals that pay attention, that know this is the type of care in order for moms to be successful. And yeah. um, Yeah, well, it's such a striking difference between yes. you can't do this we're not going to let you do this to you going I don't know if I can do this and I'm saying yes of course you can do this and like I said I was really nervous because I was like five weeks early is a long time I've never had yeah. a baby 
or might have gone. And did he, were there any problems? There was a little bit of a problem. Like he had a hard time breathing. Um, but I think there's a rule when you're five weeks early, you have to stay a week in the NICU. So he was, he was in the NICU for, for um, a week, but um, he was fine. You're so handsome. <laughs> What's the matter? So yeah, um, it's just crazy to think like, I want people to know there are good doctors out there. I'm not saying all doctors are awful, but there, there are good doctors out there. And it's important that you find that good doctor out there because they're there and they want to help you. And they want to have you have a successful birth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those are the ones you want to spend your money on. Those are the ones that you want to refer to. Those are the ones that say, tell everybody I did your knee back. Yeah. You know, those yeah. are the ones you want to send patients to, not these other ones that don't care. I yeah. wish I had more Medicaid doctors that cared. Do you um, think that was the difference? Oh, well, this time I had Blue Cross and I could pick any provider I wanted. Yeah. Versus Medicaid yeah. only has the list mm -hmm. of kind of providers that accept Medicaid. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that goes into when doctors take Medicaid. Um, so I know that aspects of it, but it just turns into them pushing people in and out of this this baby yeah. thing three, like, okay, we're going to do this. 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 Um, I know that there's only certain spots, certain times a day, Medicaid's allowed to be in. Um, how many Medicaid patients they see a day, you know, how many Medicaid patients they see a year, how many new patients they introduce. So there's all these kind of policies that they enter in that kind of dehumanizes birth. It just turns it into this time slot, this many a year, and not that there's an actual person, whether you're on Medicaid or anything, like you deserve, you deserve good prenatal care, a good birth, you deserve a good birth story. That's it. It doesn't really matter. You, everybody deserves a good birth story. Everybody deserves to love the moment a human being enters this world. It's magical. And to have anxiety kind of written into you. It's wrong, uh, isn't it? It's wrong. Um, and this to be a time where you're supposed to be excited, but I couldn't be excited. I was scared. I was scared I was going to either kill my baby or they were going to do something because they didn't like me. This has been Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. If you'd like to reach me with questions or show ideas or anything else, you can email me at birthaloudradio at gmail.com. Thanks for being here with us. We'll be back every other Sunday at 1 p.m. on WLXU. We'll see you next time.